and welcome to this episode of Navigating the Waters, where I'm joined again by our fabulous host, the founder and CEO of River VC, the lovely Stephanie McKinney. Stephanie, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Um, I'm very excited for this episode. We have brought on Dr. Tom Park and Josh Davis to bring in some aspect on the other side of the table for our investors and for our founders. So I would love for them to give a little bio about themselves. Uh, Dr. Park, if you'd like to go first. I'm first? Yeah. yeah go ahead. Well, um, I've had uh, a number of careers. I'm an old man. I'm 76. So I've seen a lot. And um, I, I was a Marine officer. I was a college football coach. I've been a professor. Um, I've been a principal of companies. Um, 20 years with Morgan Stanley. So I've done a lot of stuff. Um, I've got three grown children, seven grandchildren. Um, so um, I've had the chance to look at a lot of th things uh, through a lot of lenses. And I think there's value to that. And uh, what Josh and I and our partner, Bruce Thomas, have been doing for the past 13 years uh, is trying to identify early stage companies of very high promise and uh, take equity positions in them and help them, I say, get from A to B to C to monetization. Um, and we've learned a lot. So that's kind of who I am. Yeah, yeah and I've been working with Prescient now for nine years, Something 2013, like yeah. Thanksgiving week of 2013. Okay. Yeah, and just borrowing from Tom's language, this is technically my second career. Mm. Uh, the first one I just kind of fell into in uh, project and process management, so kind of operational efficiency stuff, but mm. eventually discovered I wanted to go into business. And while I was getting my MBA, my wife served on an entrepreneurial panel with Tom, came home and told me I needed to give him a call because it sounded like he was doing exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to get into. So long story short, right. I called him, came in, and while I was uh, finishing out my MBA, interned with them and then they brought me on after I graduated. So, and it's, it's been really great. I love yeah. that we get to be a part of putting um, potentially life-changing uh, new innovations out into the market. And right. we take a real pride in that and also yeah. Um, yeah. Ha have a really significant role in it. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As another point, what's important in my background in life is in 1919, my grandfather's sister needed a job. So she was in Wellsburg, West Virginia on the Ohio River, and these two gentlemen were making horse liniment, which is uh, you put it on the back of a horse and, and calm the horse. And Anyway, uh, so she took a job as a secretary to this small startup company that ultimately went across the river to Cincinnati and became publicly traded Sterling Drug New York listed STY. And so by the middle of the Depression in the 1930s, Aunt Elizabeth was rich because she did a startup. And so I think many of the people that are doing startups, which are increasingly prevalent in American society and culture that Stephanie knows so well, uh, their objectives are to, quote unquote, hit home runs. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do is find the home runs. And we've distilled a process to identifying uh, home run hitters and home runs. Um, and that's fun. We've been doing this 13 years, mm -hmm. Josh, about 10. That's what we do. Amazing. It must be so rewarding to be part of that journey, as you say, playing a significant role in helping them. Because a lot of people, when they come up with an idea, when, when they're out there looking for that home run, they've got a real passion for what they're doing. But right. how to turn that 
into an actual successful business, how to make sure that you've been given the the kind of the best chance, the best coaching of turning that hit into a home run is crucial, isn't it? Finding the right mentors, the right support, the right investors. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are are delivering for the people that you invest in. That must be amazing. Yes. Well, we try. We we think we've looked in 13 years at about 350 offerings. Mm -hmm. Because of the internet, people can find us. And increasingly, we get found, and we're perceived as a as a fund. Um, we're really consultants, and so we increasingly get found. I say we've probably turned down fifty winners uh, in thirteen years, but yeah. the nine that we've picked, we've sold one profitably. We've got eight more in the queue. Uh, we think we've got an IPO in the queue. We've got two in acquisition. So. We've managed to go nine for nine out of 350, which is a pretty good track record. Mm-hmm. And it, I think by virtue of being very due diligent in about a 10-step process to do what I call separate the sheep from the goats. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely important because there are lots of good ideas emerging, Kim and Stephanie, lots of good ideas that at face you go, gee, what a great idea. But you've got to think that through all the way from step one to step 10, which is exit, mm-hmm. monetizing exit. And if you can't envision the answer to each of those 10 steps, maybe you ought not go on that journey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And exactly. I would add to that just the discipline of but one thing I've seen consistently and that I've been thankful to learn is uh, just the discipline of taking your time. Because our due diligence process is at least three to six months. Oh yeah, no matter oh, what. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And so it's yeah, which which I appreciate and think yeah. is very important because it forces <laughs> you to slow down, <laughs> step back, and not allow your emotions to yeah. lead the way. Yeah. So Josh is forty-one, right? I'm seventy-six. I have the benefit of being old, right? <laughs> and so honestly, I have to laugh sometimes because people try to pitch you a deal. And I say all the time, I don't care what it is. You know, people say, well, what kind of companies do you get involved with? What kind of companies do you invest in? So on and so forth. And I say, winners. Right. Oh, we're agnostic. I don't care what they do, if it's widgets. Mm -hmm. But what's far more important than step three, which is what's the business idea, is step one and step two, which is tell me all about the leadership. Tell me about the founder. I want to know all about them in terms of personal character, integrity, mm-hmm. background, all of that. And then step two, which is what qualifies them to be experts in their domain mm-hmm. of making widgets. And if, mm-hmm. if you can't get one and two right, forget about three. Right. But a lot of folks want to start with three, and that is totally wrong. Wow. So what percent do you think that you guys have the deals that come across your table meet one and two to be able to go to three? Well, a lot of times the the companies like that you see on our website, I think there are six on there, Josh, right Right. now. The leaders of those companies are often referred to us by other very successful leaders who are like-minded with them. And they say, you ought to look at this. 
And so we, we, we know them like we've known one for 20 years, another for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And we go, I think I'll listen to them. Right. So that, it, it more or less validates right. The, right. the first part, which right. for us is a non-starter. Right. So, right. I, mean, I mean, even with the product, you might have some products that come along and, you know, the classic question in entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is the differentiation question. How is this different from what's on the market? Mm. Um, but then there's also people who come along and they are offering the same product, but with a different process and doing it better. Mm. But for us, those are like both considerations. But I would say that the people question, just mm. to reemphasize, mm-hmm. that's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. And so by getting to by getting through that with a referral from someone that we already trust, mm. uh, that that really helps yeah so but back to your question i mean in terms of percentage i I wouldn't necessarily say that one two three four five six that it's a chronological order Mm -hmm. it's more like we have these you know 10 boxes as we say right that we right try to check right right but the one that is an absolute non-starter is the people yeah 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 uh, for example, on our website, you'll see Envoy, I-N-V-O-Y. The founder of that company was referred to us by a person I knew in Tallahassee, Florida. And <clears throat> she was valedictorian at 16, PhD at 21, won every award you can think of in Arizona for academic excellence, and had um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis as a child, got right. shot full of needles, so she invented a breath technology to, to diagnose human health conditions as opposed to taking blood samples right. because she got tired of being shot full of needles. So this woman, uh, who is now 37, we've known for 13 years, mm-hmm. and is literally a genius, and she is a genius, mm-hmm. but she's created this company that we think is going to be an IPO. So that was, that was deal number one for us that was referred to us and her credentials and her work ethic. She works 20 hours a day still. Um, incredible work ethic. So these are the differentiators in the leadership, the characteristics of leaders, character, you know, uh, all of that, education, experience, mm-hmm. knowledge in a domain, all of those things. And you know what? I'll take a long time to make sure I've got that right. That's right. And if I wear somebody out that's in a hurry, which means send me money, find a check, you know, hey, sorry about that, but we're going to take our time. That's right. And since I'm a grandfather, I can do that, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in meetings where they've sent over the deal, they sent over the um, investors agreement prior to meeting and hearing about the, the company. And then by the end of it, they're like, all right, are you ready? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, there's a process. There's a time and place to ask me for money. And right now I'm getting to know you as a person, I'm getting to know your company as a as a whole, and and it's yeah. and it's in the ins and outs. Right. So no, I'm not gonna invest right now. It's not the time to ask me right after the meeting. But right. thank you, keep me in touch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It does take. You said three to yeah. six months yeah. Yeah. to make sure that company. And if they want that quick check, quick check, it's not me. No. It also gives you some concern, doesn't it? That if you've got somebody that is in that desperate need for a quick decision, that are they the type of person that's going to be quick to make decisions in the future, because that gives you a risk with the organization that they're not going to take the time to make the right decision. They're going to make a quick decision. We all have those moments, don't we, where we have to make a quick decision. But I've just been reading um, 
John Cleese's book, The Little Book of um, Curiosity, which is fascinating. And it talks about um, creative, the most creative minds are the ones that don't make a decision ahead of time. They make it on time, um, but they allow themselves all of the time available to be able to make the decision because that might give them new information. It might give them new opportunity. It gives their um, subconscious brain chance to get in. And when you look at the people that have used that, like Einstein, Edison, um, you know, they're all people that have made major breakthroughs because they got comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? We push for decisions because we want to tick it off the list. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not that's right, yeah. right. I'm worrying that for me anymore. Yeah. Right. A lot of founders, they want to get back onto the job, not raising money. They want to be done with it and focus back on the product or whatever they're building instead of going out there, finding the right investors that are both mutual in their values, because it may be a good fit for them, but maybe it's not a good fit for you. And you need right. to take your time and do your due diligence on the people that are handing you money right. because right. they may not have those same values or their same understanding. And in the future that may, you know, bite you in the butt, but you need to make sure that that due diligence is done both ways. Oh yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. My, I, you know, an old rule that I've, I've got about 150 rules, but one of them is money is the great divider of people. Okay. Money will divide people, businesses, partnerships, families, marriages, um, you know, and so that piece is important. And yet it's not the focal point of relationships, but it can sure break them up. So um, you're right, Steph, you're very correct. So. I love that. That's so true. I mean, they, they say, don't they, particularly in leadership, that you know, money isn't actually a motivator, it's emotive. So if you get it wrong, there's a problem. <laughs> and, and like you say, that can go on to divide relationships. But if you get it right, it actually doesn't do anything to motivate. I think the research shows that it actually lasts three days. So if you give somebody the money that they asked for, if you give them a pay rise, you give them a bonus, whatever it is, it actually lasts three days because within three days, they'll have spent it. Even if they've not physically spent it, they've mentally spent it. Sure. And now they've forgotten about the high. Whereas if you give people your time, if you give people um, your understanding, you give them some education, that, that will be a cementer of that relationship for life because right. you gave them something that allowed them to be better than they were before they got the money, wasn't it? Right, right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of a boss I used to have um, when my first career, you know, taking that language was in government. And so there was not a lot of money to go around to be able to give performance bonuses or any, any kind of thing like that. And I had this one inspirational leader, um, Dr. Andrew Akinobi, and uh, he said that he used to treat people like gold dust. And, and that was his idea about leadership is, you know, treat these people as if they were gold dust and continue to inspire them, affirm them, and thank them for the work that they are continuing to do um, without all of the, what you might say, the, the, the typical ways that we try to motivate people with money. Really. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, but I've, always, I've never forgotten that, and mm. I've seen it yeah. played out over and over again yeah. when I've yeah. had different opportunities. To yeah, in the U.S. military, I've been to a foreign war, and in the U.S. military, men will die for intrinsics, mm -hmm. intrinsic motivational things. But extrinsics is the way society generally tries to award you, give you more money, give you time off. These are extrinsic motivators, but it's intrinsics to which we can commit ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
and, and really dedicate ourselves. So if you can imbue that into a work culture or you see a leader that motivates that way, uh, if the idea is a good idea, you got a chance to have a winner. Uh, that's extremely important is intrinsic motivation. Such, such great advice because it's true isn't it the things that the things that are important to us in here like our values our beliefs our uh, our loved ones you know you you'd walk through fire for them <laughs> and there isn't anything you wouldn't do um and i think yeah when i've had the privilege of working for leaders that can connect with me at that level that can make me buy into the fact that we've got the same values that we've got the same belief system that what we're doing is for a greater good somewhere then actually you will you will go all out to to make sure that that's successful and they're the people that you remember and that you tell stories about and you try your real hardest to lead like they lead um when you get the privilege of being a leader yourself don't you so what would you say i mean obviously you've got bucket loads of experience you've you've handled hundreds of potential um investment opportunities Mm -hmm. if you could give us your number one piece of advice i'm going to come to each of you in turn if that's okay what would your number one piece of advice be to anybody out there who's thinking about coming and seeking investment and dr tom if i could start with you first please Hmm. well if it's the founder or the leader has to be able to articulate and paint a picture for investors and i always say that if a person is going to invest in anything they, they've got to ask and answer about five questions. And that's a process. And the first question is, who are you? You know, which gets back to our 10 point model of picking the winners of companies is the leadership is box one and two. And the idea is box three. And so uh, in terms of an investor looking at something, they go, well, who are you? And, and I say, who are you in the deepest and widest sense? I mean, we don't get married after one date, right? So, you know, you, you really need to know who people are. And so that's kind of question one. Then question two is, well, what is this you have here? So tell me about the widget, you know, what is it? All right. And then question three is, well, how does this process going to play itself out? Can you as a leader articulate that and explain that and ask and answer difficult questions? And then question four as well, as an investor, then what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what is the enterprise value? Is it 10 million? Uh, you want me to write a check for 500,000. And so I'm going to own that percentage of the equity. Who are the other investors in it? I mean, you can drill deeply into the question number four. And question number five is articulate the time, the exit and the potential ROI. What are our chances of failure? So those five questions or sets of questions are questions all investors need to ask and have answered. And, you know, I, and I go back to it all starts with people. Woody Hayes, a football coach at Ohio State, wrote a great book on you win with people. OK, you've got to get the people part right. You've got to get the leadership part right. Then if the idea has a chance, if you can scale it and if you can protect it, and if you can capitalize it and if you can ramp it, uh, you can take it downstream. And most importantly for us is one of the boxes is, does this idea contribute to doing societally good and redemptive things? 
I don't care about guns. I we're we're not going to do anything that's um, that's health, hurts health. We want companies that do societally redemptive things, help people, make society better. So that's a very important box for us. And we'll leave the stuff that can make a lot of money that doesn't do that to somebody else. That's very important to us. Absolutely. That's that. And that's obviously clearly so aligned with your values and your, on your purpose, what you're doing this for. Great, great advice. Uh, and I'd love to dig into those. But uh, Josh, I'd just like to get your thoughts as well. And then we can we can delve in deeper if that's OK. Yeah, of course. Well, the first thing that came to mind was um, very similar to Tom, unfortunately, for the sake of you know creativity in the podcast but was just to do your homework mm -hmm. uh, you know if you're going to come and sit here and take up our time and take up the time of our investors and expect as well that we would put our reputation on the line to introduce you to people who would maybe put you know money in your company don't come in here unprepared and, and so that's and, and that's kind of a direct and harsh way to say it and i, and I hear that but it, it's uh, it's the real deal i mean like if you are going to come and try to have me risk the money that would put food on my children's table. Yeah. You know, that that's something that you need to take seriously. Yeah. And because I think, you know, for some people, and it may be true, and I'm not going to cast judgment on anybody, but for us, this is very personal, yeah. you know? Yeah. So don't come in assuming that just because we are calculating numbers on a page and dealing with the financial side of things, that we have this callous, emotionless, uh, approach to the way we do things. And and just like Tom said, I mean, for us, the societally redemptive good piece really is important. I mean, it's something that we want, in a way, our work to be an expression of uh, what we want to give to the world. And like I said at the very beginning, the thing that inspires me is that we get to take a real part in putting good things out there that are going to make people's lives better either at work or at home right. or, right. Uh, you know, in dealing with health issues. So, right. um, yeah. So in general, I would just say, test yourself, maybe meet with business leaders you're afraid of before you come and talk to us, you know, and have them poke holes in your company so you can make your presentation better and your company better by extension uh, yeah. before yeah. you come and ask us to yeah. put our reputation on the line and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, introduce the people that have put trust in us. Yeah. Once you know a lot of people and, and you've been around, which I have, uh, in numerous careers in a lot of the United States, um, and people know who you are, perhaps, your reputation is the most important thing you own. Right. And, and you can't disparage that. Right. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's very important to us. And honestly, um, we have three universities in Tallahassee. There are 60,000 students here. Uh, now that are coming to three universities. I taught at Florida State as an adjunct for a full 25 years, and I still give lectures for the last 17 years. So I have a deep exposure. One of my identities is professor. Well, professors create ideas all the time in their particular domain of expertise. And yet many of them have no knowledge and understanding of how you commercialize something, how you go to market, how you run a company. These are not things that they have learned to do many times. And I don't criticize them, but since I've been one of them, I've seen these things. And so people at universities constantly bring ideas that from their perspective, they've got a salaried tenured line 
They've got a salary that won't go away. They take little risk if the idea fails. And then they want to do it with OPM, other people's money. Well, the reality of it is they need to take some risk. And some of the biggest successes I can name are professors that walked away from academia and did what they thought they could do and made it a success. Now, those people you cheer and and applaud because they were willing to walk away from security to Mm non-security. Many professors bring ideas and they just kind of want to see, well, what's going to happen here? No, 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 no. Have more respect for the marketplace than that and have more respect for all the people that will cast their lot with that idea. So if a founder can then hire a number two and a number three and a number four and the worker bees and all the people that are going to join the endeavor, you've got to respect the risk that those people have taken and take some risk yourself. So yeah. thank you for listening to that sermon, but I think that's very important. <laughs> I think that that definitely ties into what I would say is being all in it. I resonate a lot with my founders when I see their passion, when I see their commitment, they show up to the Zoom on time, they're properly dressed, they're ready pr- to present, they're ready to ask and receive questions. And I, I think when you can see it across the screen, and when you can understand what they're doing and they're genuine and they're they're resonating with you and they're understanding your questions, that's the founder that you want to back. That's the mm-hmm. underdog that you want to take. Agreed. That's yeah. the movie that you want to watch and sit down and eat popcorn and be involved with. So I think that is what I look for when I invest is the person and their idea and their their motivation behind what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one thing sorry. I think oh. one thing that comes through all your stories is respect, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's being respectful of the people that you're asking to help. Um, mm-hmm. It's being respectful of, of the fact that you're quite right, Dr. Tom, that you're putting your reputation at risk. You're asking them to, to share your network with them, which means that you are asking them to give up some reputation and give up some trust. Um, and to do that, we've got to be respectful of that, respectful of the time and say, if this were my reputation at risk, which <laughs> to an element it is, then actually how do I make sure that I've done the due diligence, that I've put right. the work in, that I've got the story and the evidence to prove why I think this, why I think now, and why I'm saying, trust me, I will hold your reputation in safe hands, and I will make sure that even if those people don't want to invest, it's not because it wasn't a good delivery it wasn't because it damaged your reputation in any way it might just not have been the right fit for their portfolio but i think in all things it's making sure that you are respectful of the fact that we're asking people to give away something that is hard-earned and easily lost and that's not money that is reputation isn't it you work really hard to earn your reputation and you can lose it so quickly yeah yeah well said yeah yeah a company that we're looking at have been looking at for about nine months. So you talk about taking your time, but about nine months ago, a good friend of mine who was West Point class of 68 was a rifle company commander in Vietnam who knew I'd been a Marine tank officer in Vietnam called me and he said, a former army combat medic who Mm -hmm. saved lives has invented a plasma warming device that will save lives all over the world. Well, you know what? I can vote for that. 
Okay, so we've been working on this for about nine months. It's called Fremont Scientific. It's not on our website yet, but we will be equity owners in it. And and we love and we have due diligence. And I have talked to that founder now 20 times in nine months. So you talk about being boring, you know, but but the point is, is I know this man and I know what he did. And I got a book up on the shelf there about Vietnam heroes. He's got a page in it. And so I'll vote for somebody like that because he's my age and he's still working and still being productive and he's got a winner. So that's kind of the way we do our process to separate the sheep from the goats. And we'll wear a lot of people out because we take too long. We're not fast enough. That's just fine. Yeah, that's that totally works. Fine. That works. I love that. They're oh, yeah. very passionate about something. You can't get bored, can you? If no. it's your, if it's your, you know, I, I talk to owners all the time and say, you know, when you set up a business, it's like your baby. You give up so much of your time. You give up so much of your blood, sweat and tears. It's the thing that keeps you awake at night because you want it to be the best that it can be. And I'm very conscious as a as a mum, every minute I spend on my business is a minute away from my child, right. who is equally the apple of my eye. So I want to make sure that I put the same love and effort into both. Um, and therefore... I could talk about both until the cows came home because they're both a passion of mine. And I guess right. that's kind of what you're saying with, with the, you know, the gentleman from Vietnam. It, it's actually his passion. Nine months isn't going to slow him down or probably even feel like a blink of an eye because you're getting him to talk about something that he's really passionate about, that he can see the purpose. He can see the impact that he can have on, you know, on lives positively. And he's got personal experience of the negative impact of lives you know when you know, being through a war seeing it at its worst mm -hmm. and them saying i think i found something that could leave things better than i found them i can imagine he would happily take another 20 conversations and another 20 more because actually the purpose is so great yes right. well yeah. and that's so necessary because one thing that people don't really focus on enough but they should or maybe they shouldn't because it would just kill the dream but entrepreneurship is really hard and we've seen it so many times, yeah. both in running our own company, but then mm -hmm. also in, you know, trying to advise others in running their own co their companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to hit a lot of hurdles. You're going to get a lot of disappointment. You're going to get a lot of people saying no. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to fail a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to have something, Kim, like you were saying, a why, a reason why you're doing it, or mm -hmm. something that helps to ignite your passion to help you mm -hmm. to continue to move forward. Yeah. Because yeah. without it, uh, yeah. you hit too many of those, you know, right. disappointing moments, and you're just going to say, "Well, I'm going to go back yeah. to my day job." Yeah, and one of one of our discriminatory boxes is simply that there are a lot of folks with good ideas, and I get these. They bring me here. Uh, Can you help me fund my business? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, we don't really want to fund businesses. We want to fund companies, mm -hmm. and we want to fund companies that can scale. So the, the scale box is extremely important because there are a lot of people locally that have really good ideas for businesses that won't scale, but they can make a good living in a business in this city. Mm -hmm. We're not interested in that. We want something that can scale and maybe ultimately be international, but be at least regional or national and solve problems and do things and render services for people a lot of places, not just locally. So the scaling box 
uh, the scaling question is very, very important. Mm -hmm. That it has to be able to scale, okay. and and you have to protect it. I mean, there's the protection box, and, and let me just talk about that for a second. So, patent, copyright, trademark, first to market, market share. So there are five ways to protect your really good idea, but you have to have that. So you have to be able to scale your really good idea, box number three. You have to be able to protect it. And then if you can do those things, you have to ramp the hockey stick revenue thing. And then ultimately, all of that has to be capitalized. How are you going to do that? And we try to advise people on all of these things. Right. And I think that brings you back to your first check is who you are is going to be able to get you to be successful and scale and be able to protect. And like you said, Josh, be resilient because you're going to keep getting knocked down. You're going to keep hitting these walls. Patenting takes forever. This takes forever. Building a great team takes forever. So I think mm -hmm. for all of our listeners out there that are founders, resilience is going to be one of the key characteristics that you're going to need to continue to build and grow and be a successful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. but thank well, you, and Tom would... and Josh. Go ahead. What were we going to say? Well, I was just going to build on that. Just yeah. a little bit of encouragement that resilience is uh, it's like a muscle. Yeah. And so don't be discouraged if, you know, you're not as resilient as, you know, a Marine Corps officer or something. It's something <laughs> that gets built over time um, and just don't quit. If you believe in it, don't mm -hmm. quit. Exactly. And, passionate and you believe in it don't quit so thank you josh and, and dr parks for coming on mm -hmm. and being a part of navigating the waters in our community and we hope to have you back and talking about specific problems or questions that our our listeners have brought to our attention so thank you guys and thank you kim for joining again mm -hmm. and for all of our listeners if you want to be on if you have any questions or comments please get it in uh, contact with me i'll be happy to answer them thank you guys yeah, thank you thank you thank you both Thank you.